This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, coming straight to your earlobe as we help you make money around the globe. But if someone offers you an Argentine peso, just say no. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? It's very good, Bryce. I feel like the people of Argentina needed a win, and that introduction may be just what they needed. Yes. Uh, Now, there's good reason that I threw that one in there, Ren, because today we're going to be talking all things Argentina. Um, But uh, a quick call out to uh, all of our equity mates out there struggling to come up with fresh ideas for the intro as you can tell so please keep them coming in we've actually got a bit of a bank of ideas from some listeners to get through so we'll do them over the coming episodes but uh very open to any ideas uh for intros the only thing is that ren's a bit of a stickler if i come up with one then they don't rhyme i mean i get in trouble (laughs) yeah 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 cool that they rhyme yeah that is that's the what we're going for yes and obviously about finance so ideally um, about the topic that we're talking about which makes it difficult because you don't know where we're going (laughs) but you you come up with the ideas we'll figure out where they fit in or maybe we will be directed by the intro so if someone sends in an intro about investing in cars then we'll have to do an episode about (laughs) investing in cars, for example. Yeah, we were going to do a whole episode on Lithuania, but we couldn't find anything to rhyme with it, so we had to do Argentine peso instead. (laughs) Yes, good content creation going on over here. (laughs) Anyway, Ren, so always good to be chatting stocks with you, and today we're going to talk about Argentina and use that as a bit of a segue to briefly talk about emerging markets. Now, recently, Argentina has gone through a bit of a historical event, which we'll get into a bit later, and it's going through a bit of a currency situation as well. So, (laughs) I think this is really tying in. (laughs) You're using very guarded language there for some reason. Yeah, well, (laughs) a a currency situation. (laughs) 
I don't want to reveal how exciting it all is. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. what, what I was going, what I was going for was that this is a really sort of good tie-in with the previous episodes that we've done on central banks and exchange rates, and I think it all kind of forms nicely together. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, certainly go and do so because we're going to be talking about currency and and whatnot in this episode. And it's I think if you understood what we were talking about in terms of exchange rates and whatnot, then this is likely to make sense. But let's get stuck into it, Ren. So Argentina and emerging markets, I think we'll touch on in emerging markets, you know, what are the attractions? What are some of the risks? Uh, and how do we get access to them? Because, you know, as a beginner investor, there's a lot more than just the ASX out there. But um as all things emerging, they do come with some risks. So we'll touch on that a bit later. But Argentina, big few weeks for Argentina. Very big. <laughs> yes. So I'll uh, I'll intro it, Ren, and then we can get stuck in. So I guess what happened in Argentina, if, if you didn't see our Instagram story a couple of weeks ago, then that's fine. You wouldn't have missed much. We did make mention to Argentina. So on the 12th of August... The S&P Merville Index, which is the stock exchange or index over in Argentina, plummeted a whopping 48% in one day, which ran as the second largest single day drop for any stock market since 1950. Now, I've got a bit of a quiz that we can do later. Okay. I've got a few questions for you around that, but we'll, we'll get stuck into that. Alongside that, Ren, the Argentine peso fell 15% against the US dollar and also continued to fall the Tuesday after. So, not good for investors in Argentina. Huge single day drop. Now, I guess the question, Ren, is why did this happen and what does it mean for Argentina? Yes. Is there anything you want to add to, the, to that context? No, I think it's good context. And the, the only thing to add is that it hasn't got better that since that 48% fall in uh, a day, the stock market is down over 70% and the Argentine peso, their currency, has fallen over 20% against the US dollar. So it wasn't, it didn't get better in the days that followed, I guess, is the important thing. So so your question of why is a good one. And the the short answer is there was an election not a final election, but a primary election. But the current business-friendly president lost by 15%, which was more than the market expected, and that got people very worried. So why would investors be worried if it's only a primary election? So what you're saying is that President, I think it's Marcy, is it? Macri? Yeah, don't, don't have names, unfortunately. In my notes. So he still is the current president and you mentioned there that he is business friendly. So before we go into more depth, what, what do you mean by that? So I guess the, the context, to, to understand why this shocked the market so much, you really have to understand uh, Argentina's economic history for the last sort of 20 years and then the state of their economy today. So here's the brief overview in sort of two minutes. So Argentina has defaulted on its debt twice before, which is extremely rare for a country to default on their debt. They defaulted in 2001 and then again in 2014. One of my favourite stories in finance is an American hedge fund actually seized an Argentine warship to try and get Argentina to pay back its debts from its 2001 default, 
which I just think is absolutely absurd, a country's warship Hmm. being seized by a hedge fund. But anyway, that's the sort of dire situation that Argentina's been in before. And so in 2018, with this business-friendly president elected, the International Monetary Fund bailed out Argentina to the tune of $56 billion. Now, the problem is that Argentina has a lot of debt denominated in foreign currency, in US dollars, and it owes a lot over the next couple of years. And there's a real risk that if this other president gets elected, not this business-friendly president, that they may default on their debt again, or at the very least, they'll try and renegotiate a lot of this debt. And that is very concerning for the market. It doesn't give investors any certainty, and a default would be chaos for the currency and for the markets. And so the risk of this president losing has meant that the investors basically fled the market. Now, I guess the question needs to be asked, why is it that Argentine voters would vote for a default, uh, you know, vote for a president that may cause a default on their debt again, the third time in two decades? And the reason is that Argentina's economy is in a real state at the moment, and there's a lot of discontent amongst the people. This pro-business president has put in serious austerity measures, but it hasn't really worked. Interest rates are above 60%. GDP is estimated to shrink by 2.5% this year. One in three Argentines live below the poverty line, and there's over 50% inflation. So that's why the interest rates are so high, but still inflation is incredibly high. So Argentina's economy is really struggling. There's a lot of discontent amongst the voters and that that's why the voters, I guess, are willing to embrace this risk of this new president. But it seems like the markets and investors are not willing to embrace that same risk. Yeah, fascinating situation happening in Argentina at the moment. And as we made mention in our exchange, our interest rate in Central Bank's episode a couple of weeks ago, Ren, Argentina actually has the highest interest rates in the world at the moment um, for all the reasons that you just mentioned. So a lot going on there, really interesting time for investors, both in Argentina, but also around the world as well. Because as you said, this has huge flow and effects. Now, I think it's also important to note that uh, since this occurred, what, two weeks ago or or thereabouts, uh, Fitch ratings and S&P global ratings have come out and actually downgraded Argentina's sovereign credit rating. And this is also not a good thing because it's essentially, essentially it's them coming out and confirming that they're less likely to be able to repay its debts. And that's uncertainty is incredibly worrying and concerning, I guess, for for investors, because as you said, Ren, defaulting for the third time in quite a short period of time is not a good thing. So, Yeah. And if you look at the credit default swap market at the moment, the market's pricing in a 75% chance that Argentina will suspend debt payments over the next five years. So if they don't default, at the very least, it looks like they're going to try and suspend their payments. Well, at least the market thinks that. A lot, a lot of concern, I guess, going forward. Mm, mm. So a lot of risk, Ren. So that kind of brings us to emerging markets. But before we do, I just want to have a little bit of a quiz. Okay, okay. But just before we get to the quiz, for people who are interested in knowing when the next key milestone in this Argentine saga, saga is going to play out, 
October is when the actual election is. That's when we'll know which president won and what the next steps are. Yeah, good call out. So we'll hopefully keep touch with that and we can update everyone when it, when it occurs. So fun facts, Ren. We opened by saying that this 48% drop is the second largest single day drop for any stock market since 1950. So I then thought, well, what was the largest single day drop that occurred on a stock market since 1950? Where was it and by how much? Do you have any idea? Oh, I don't, but I'll have a guess. Yeah. South Vietnam stock market when it was taken over by the North Vietnamese. Okay, that's an interesting one. The short answer is no. The long answer is also no. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, the largest single-day drop occurred in 1989 while Sri Lanka was going through civil war and it plummeted 61.7% in a day. What is interesting is that the top five also think less than 35%, but number two and number three both are held by Argentina. So 48%, which you just had in 2019, then they also had a drop of 45.2% in 2002. So I think that was just the year after they defaulted on their loans. Then followed by 38.6% drop in Kazakhstan, and a 35.4% drop in Mongolia. So, yeah, there's some significant drops out there and most of them in pretty interesting markets. Did you have another quiz question or was was that it? Uh, I've got a couple for emerging markets, so we'll, okay, we'll leave okay. them for at the end. Yeah. That top five list is a good run into what we're going to talk about here, which is the attraction and risks of emerging markets and if you look at that list Argentina three times Kazakhstan once and Sri Lanka once they're all indicative of the risks that come with investing in emerging markets so we'll rip into sort of what an emerging market is and then we'll go from there and essentially emerging markets exist in this grey area between the developing world and the developed world. And the idea is that these are the markets that are right on the cusp of, you know, a massive step change in economic prosperity. People often talk about the BRIC countries, Brazil, Russia, India and China, as sort of key emerging markets that are going to really move from the developing world to the developed world. And from that comes the obvious attraction of investing in these markets that as they become a developed country, all of these great companies will come out of that development and there's a real opportunity to make some massive gains in those markets. Yeah. Now, as you said, Ren, there's, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a grey area as to what is defined, who are emerging markets. Now, there are 23 countries that the IMF classifies as emerging markets. And then you've got Morgan Stanley Capital, they classify 24 countries as emerging markets. Then there's an S&P, Standard & Poor's, classified 28. So it's it's a bit hard to tell what's what, but between all of them, so International Monetary Fund, Standard & Poor's, Morgan Stanley, and the Dow Jones, between all five of those or four of those, they do agree that there are a list of countries that are certainly classified as emerging markets. And this, as you said, Ren, it's generally the ones that we speak about. So you've got Brazil, 
Chile. And I'd be interested to know what you think of this list and if there's anything, any that you would exclude. So they've got Brazil, Chile, China, Colombia, Hungary, Indo, uh, India, Malaysia, Mexico, Peru, Russia, South Africa, Thailand, and Turkey. They're generally classified by all five of those major institutions as emerging markets. So no Argentina on there. Yeah, no, not at least not at the moment. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to argue with five incredibly well-resourced and smart institutions. I think that's a pretty comprehensive list. And I think if you think about some of those countries, you can see where the attraction for emerging markets come from. A lot of those countries mm. have really favourable demographic characteristics. There's a lot of people in those countries, especially mm. a lot of young people. I think BetaShares said... Uh, now, I, look, I actually don't know if this stat can be true, but... On BetaShares' website, they say roughly 90% of the world's population under 30 lives in emerging markets. I would tend to believe that. I think India itself, I think, you know, 60% of the population are under 30 or something ridiculous. Yeah, so I guess if you take India and China, yeah, but 90%, that's massive. But look, if it's 90% or if it's 75%, either way, there's a some really strong demographic trends and then... There's also generally a lot more favourable valuations. Companies that are about the same size as their equivalents in more developed nations can be purchased a lot cheaper. And as countries move from developing to developed, there's generally a, an appreciation. You know, investors are willing to pay more for them. More funds are able to invest in those markets. So if you get into these emerging market companies early, you generally get more favourable valuations than their developed equivalents. So the demographic, the valuation, and then there's just a, there's a differentiation. These emerging markets move in different cycles to the developed nation or the developed world that generally all move in sync. The sort of Western Europe, America, Australia, we all move in a similar way through the economic cycle but the emerging markets generally move they, they move in cycles still but they're at different stages in the cycle so there's a differentiation uh, there which is attractive as well for investors so the the potential of these countries is they move people out of poverty and into the middle class and all of that makes it a very attractive trade and a lot of people have done very well on it a lot of people made a lot of money in the uh, the post-Soviet Russia in the 1990s. Depending on their timing, there were some bad times to invest there. But uh, there's definitely there's definitely been a lot of money made in emerging markets. Absolutely. So, are you invested in any emerging markets, Ren? Uh, I am invested in an emerging markets ETF, which we'll okay. get to, I guess, when we talk about how to invest in. Um, in emerging markets, but it is very broad-based, not country-specific, just to get a bit of exposure. You? So something that comes to mind, Ren, when I think about emerging markets, and as you said, they don't necessarily always move in the same cycle as the developed world. We can be going down and emerging markets can be going up and vice versa. And I think something that sticks out to me when I was thinking about them though is the level of volatility and rapid change that occurs within emerging markets. And also they're always related to somehow there's a lot going on with their currency. So for me, from a risk point of view, those are two things that I think are 
um, need to be considered when you're investing in emerging markets is the level of volatility that goes on and, you know, currency swings that occur, especially those that are sort of tied to the US dollar in some way. So are there any other sort of r- major risks that you think about when it comes to emerging markets? I think I think it's worth dwelling on what you've raised. There are some other ones, but that's a massive one. So if you had invested in Argentina and you actually picked a company that was doing well and it had made 10% this year, the fact that the currency's fallen 20% means that you've you've lost money on on your investment. So so there is a risk that with weaker currencies if they depreciate it doesn't matter how good a stock picker you are you you run a risk of losing money the other thing and this is what has run argentina into trouble is if investors aren't willing to buy debt in your currency so in argentina's case the argentine peso then it means that they have to raise debt in another currency so a lot of argentina's debt is you in us dollars which means they're in, in an incredibly difficult position if their currency starts to fall because it takes more and more of the peso to pay back US dollar denominated debt. So there's some, there's some really ugly and vicious cycles that you can fall into when your debt is not denominated in a currency that you control. And that, that's a risk in Argentina we're seeing materialise, but it's a risk in a lot of emerging markets. So that currency risk is the major one, but there's a few other ones we'll just quickly rattle off. So there's a legal uh, legal system risk and a rule of law risk. If the you know there may not be as many protections for shareholders as there are in Western countries, the economies generally have a lot of structural problems that can be really difficult to overcome. There's less liquidity in the market, so it's sometimes harder to sell. You know, especially if there's a panic or something like that. But just generally, there's less liquidity. There's less people buying and selling. And then there's just a lot of a lot of local factors, local laws that we in you know in Australia or in the Western world aren't close enough to. So there's always just that risk as well. So there are some big risks that you need to just be mindful of if you're looking to invest in emerging markets. Yeah, nice, Ren. So we know they're attractive somewhat, and there are some risks that come with investing in emerging markets. But I guess the big question is, how do we do it? I mean. It seem is it a complex process? Do we invest directly into the Taiwanese stock market or Peru or Philippines? Like I know Comsec doesn't necessarily have access to all of them, and a lot of online brokers as well. So, you know, as an investor, I'm thinking I want to dip my toe into the water, experience what it's all about. But how do I do it? Do you know the answer? Well, I, there's, there's <laughs> not one good answer, I don't think. But the, probably the safest way to do it is. There are ETFs and funds in that trade in Western countries on Western stock markets that give you access to the emerging markets. That's probably the safest way to do it, just because going, you know, you could you could definitely sign up with a broker that lets you buy stocks directly in some of these markets. But there's just a lot of risk there that you you probably don't want to wear. So rather than going in all in on one company in an emerging market, if you buy a broad market ETF for some of these countries or for emerging markets more generally as well that you can buy, uh, that's generally a safer option. Uh, and as we've seen in Argentina, 
it makes sense not to go all in on one particular emerging market economy. It makes sense to diversify across the world, really. Absolutely. And I think when you are looking at these broad-based indexes as well, just like we mentioned in our episode on exchange rates, have a look to see if they are hedging or or unhedged. That way you can think about what exposure and risk you want to take when it comes to currency. Obviously, something that is is hedged removes the currency risk. And perhaps for an investment in emerging markets, that's something that you, you might want to consider. So pay close attention to how they set those ETFs up when it comes to the currency side of things. So before we wrap up, Ren, I have one last question for you uh, regarding emerging markets. Now, you would assume that with a 48% drop this year that Argentina would be the worst performing market around the world. Now, that is not the case. Would you have any idea uh, which country might be the worst performing? Uh, No, no, I don't. It's going to be some obscure country that we haven't spoken about on the podcast, I'm sure. So Pakistan is the worst performing market rent year to date, down 20.6%. So obviously the Argentina market uh, climbed considerably before dropping down 48%. So it's actually only down 9% year to date. But it ranks third with Oman coming in second place. So if anyone's in Pakistan, Oman or Argentina, it's been a rough few weeks for those guys. But uh We'll leave it there, Ren. Always good to chat stocks with you. Uh, we'll keep an eye on on Argentina and maybe put some stuff in Thought Starters as it gets close to the time. But unless you have anything else, we'll chat next week. Nice one. Next week. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. Equity mates. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Equity.